Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, founder of Megan Hall Motivation. I motivate and inspire women to create their own version of a thriving life. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories and chat about topics relevant to today's modern women. Don't forget to join our virtual community on Facebook, the Inspire Women Community. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. I am here with Susan Reynolds. We have a very deep topic to talk about, and it may not be appropriate for little ears, so you might want to listen to it when the kids aren't around, but we're going to talk about mental health today, and Susan is part of the Inspired Women community, and I reached out in the community. I said, would anybody like to come on and talk about mental health with me? And Susan raised her hand. She's like, I'm here. So Susan, tell us a little bit more about you. Hi, Megan. Thank you for having me on the show today. I'm very, very excited. My name is Susan Reynolds. I'm an Air Force spouse. We live in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, though, so don't let our Air Force-ness confuse us with being Army uh, because we are not an Army family. Very, very prideful on being an Air Force family. (laughs) Um, And I have been um, military spouse of the year. I am the Joanne Orr Air Force Spouse of the Year. I used to write a column for the Fayetteville Observer entitled Homefront Operations. You can still find it through Google or whatever search engine you want. You can still find some of the old columns out there. I also started teaching advocacy through something called Bad Mother Advocate Fighting for Your Family. So it's like shaft bad, you know, shut your mouth. Um, (laughs) And I love it because I think that we've all got a little bit of bad mother in us to want to fight for something. Um, I have a little boy named Ian. He is six. And my husband is a combat weatherman, and I'm not really sure what he does. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> I got to be honest about that. I'm like, he's a weather guy. <laughs> people people need to know that's just military. You kind of like, oh, yes. I know my husband makes the boat go. That's yeah. about it. See, there, yeah, you're like, you're in the Navy, and you make the boats go. Have fun with that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, that's all I can tell you. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, like, well, you have some... I always make fun of my husband for his job. I'm like, Oh, ooh, did you make it rain today, honey? You know, like <laughs> he doesn't find that funny after a while. <laughs> well, 12 years of, of rain and thunder jokes, I guess have gotten old. <laughs> um, so yeah. you have an amazing accolades and, and I'm going to have Susan send me all of her links and everything so that we can uh, hook it up in the show notes for all of you guys. And, uh, Susan, I know, um, if the audience has been following me for any period of time, they know that I have somebody that has struggled with depression most of my life. And it's kind of hard when people meet me or they interact with me, they're like, what? You're like this, like happy bubbly person. Like, how did you struggle with depression? And, and it's really hard to realize that sometimes that's the inner struggle people are going through and you just don't see it on the outside. And I would yeah. love to hear a little bit more about what you've struggled with um, when it comes to mental health. You know, I know you have a long story of, you know, mental health in your family and everything like that. And just share a little bit with us about what's going on with you. So the first time I ever, ever thought there was something going on and I thought maybe I'm a little depressed. Maybe um, I need to see somebody. I was 12, actually. My parents were going through a divorce. And I was the very first one of my friends whose parents were getting divorced. And nobody else knew anything about it. And in fact, I will never forget a friend of mine in gym class in seventh grade said, 
well, I think your dad has to move to California because that's where all parents who are divorced seem to live is in California. And I thought, wait a minute, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I don't know. Why would my dad move to California? Why do only divorced people live in California? And that's what we had seen on TV, of course, you know, as everyone was in California and everyone seemed to be divorced in California. So there you go, being 12. And military kids on an installation overseas, you know, resources were scarce. And of course, you know, it was, um, it wasn't easy. So I went to the school counselor because she is by her job title. She was a counselor. Mm -hmm. And I went in there with a, with my best friend and I said, my parents are getting divorced. I think I need to talk to somebody. And she said, Oh honey, I'm so sorry, but, uh, this is the kind of counseling I do, but I know someone who can help you right here in the school. And it was our school nurse. And she was actually getting a master's degree in adolescent and child psychology. And she needed to complete hours, of course, practicum hours and, and do lots of observations and things of that nature. And being the school nurse at a high school was a great place yeah. for her to be. Cause our, my high school overseas was, we were very different. It was Elementary school was kindergarten through sixth grade. High school was grades seven through 12 because we were on a small base. That was my school growing so, up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we were, it was very small and everybody knew everybody's business and everybody knew that my parents were splitting up. And so of course you have everyone looking down and seeing you when you're in, in the exchange with your mom and your dad's not there anymore and, or your dad's at work and they know you're separated and they don't know what's going on and what you're going to do, but uh, but everybody knows. And so I started talking to the school nurse and it was, it was exactly what I needed. And it was everything. I mean, it was just, it was everything I needed. And then some, and right about that time, right around my parents were divorcing. I also was diagnosed with dyslexia and ADHD. Wow. So, yeah. So I already feel really weird that my parents are getting divorced. And now I've been told that I have a learning disability and I'm ADHD. And then I have to take some medicine to help keep me sitting down in my chair because, well, I can't sit still. I couldn't sit still to save my life. And I mean, if Siri, and when I say that, if my life depended on me sitting still, I would not have made it um, because I couldn't do it. And so, to you know, you, that's almost like adding insult to injury at that point because you're just you're 12 and things are really piling on and. It was just very overwhelming and just trying to come to grips with all of those feelings and, and, and feeling different and just feeling so stinking different, you know, and you're in high school and you're a kid and no one wants to feel different. And I must have seen that school nurse as a counselor off and on all throughout grade seven through 12, because my mom ended up staying overseas as a DOD teacher. So I ended up graduating high school over there. And so I was able to continue seeing her all throughout my high school years. And I never once shied away from getting help. I always knew very early on when I needed to go back and see her, when we would talk about how do we combat certain behaviors, certain what lines of thinking that are making me anxious, that are making me depressed. What am I, you know, how do I reflect upon my behavior so I can help myself get myself, almost snap myself out of it at times, you know, and, and, and get out of that anxious thinking that wasn't helping me. 
and it was really it was really exciting at this i know that sounds strange but i was excited to go and see her because it was very much my special time with her mm-hmm. and i loved being able to just talk and so i mean i was young you know i've got you got to think about it. i was six you know a matter of five or six years i saw her off and on for five or six years as my first therapist and i loved it and I actually told them, I told some of my friends, you know, if you ever need anything, go talk, talk to the school nurse. She's, she has a master's degree in this. She does, she started doing group therapy for, for the kids too. So after school, she would do group therapy twice a week and kids would come in and talk about if we were being bullied or if we were sad because as military kids, our friends were PCSing or we were dealing with the Persian Gulf War in high school. When I was in ninth or 10th grade, we had the Persian Gulf War and our dads are deploying for the first time ever in our lives. For some of us, we had never seen our parents go off to war because there was no war when we were little kids. It just didn't exist. And so for some, she really did so much for us as a community, as a small high school overseas and really helped us out tremendously. I don't think... I, it's funny, I talked to some of my old high school friends now, and all of us reflect upon just how wonderful she was and how she really helped us with our mental health and our mental wellness. And so I always told people, you know, go see a counselor. This is why you need to see one. Let me tell you what she did for me when I was a kid. And I was honestly contemplating suicide at a very young age. And she helped me, she helped me stop, not even put, she helped me move those thoughts out of my head and say, you know, the greatest fight is the fight for life. And you, Susan, are a fighter. I, and I thought, I, I, I was like, thank you. I never thank you for that. And it just stuck with me. I love that. Like, that's amazing. See, because when I was, I was about 12, 13, my parents divorced too. They split up. Um, and we moved yep. all the way to Florida with our dad and my mom was in upstate New York. So we left upstate New York. we grew up there. Like that was everything to us. And, um, you know, I see it like, as you know, you had the extra, you know, the diagnosis, the ADHD, um, and the, you know, your dad being in the military, you had that extra on top. Also, um, in my situation, I wasn't encouraged to see anybody. And I remember being 13 and we were living in Florida. It was the first time that I, I contemplated suicide. Um, and if mm-hmm. a friend of mine hadn't like came to my house at that moment in time, I may not even be having this conversation. So I agree with you. Seeing a counselor is imperative. It, when I saw my first counselor, it was about four years ago. Um, and it just changed my life. And seeing a counselor does not make you crazy. And it's it actually, no. I see everybody should have, see a counselor and work with a coach at some point in time in their life. <laughs> and you met, I say the exact same thing. I'm like, you really need to do this. Trust me when I say you need to do this. And even, um, and I think a lot of people, what they don't understand about ADHD, especially as you're transitioning from teenage years into college and then from college into adult is the self-sabotaging behavior that we we unfortunately put on ourselves and 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 we do and we don't mean to it's just we just do it you know there that impulsivity can be very difficult to control without medications and as we get older some of those medications just don't work like they used to or we've been on them for so long that they've lost their oomph you know, yeah. they've lost, they're, they're not working like they, like they used to. And I keep saying that because it's, it's really the best phrase. And so I ended up going off medication right around the time I went off to college. And that was a really tough transition. And I did all right for a while. 
And then I wasn't. And I was at Old Dominion University, and I will never forget, I went into the the student health center, and I said, you know, I think I'm just, I'm going through something, and I hear we have a counseling department here. Do you know where they're at on campus? And when you know, they were upstairs in the student center, and it was all a bunch of graduate students and even PhD students who needed to do, again, observation. They needed to do their hours. And so they were there for the semester working with students and then some of them got hired and then some of them just kept on donating their time afterwards, especially if they had developed a really good rapport with some of their patients. And it was great because it was a free service and they were they were practiced in and they had been just been taught so many different types of therapy out there. So if you wanted to do more behavior therapy, where we actually talked about changing patterns of behavior, you could find someone who did that. If you wanted to just sit and talk with someone, I mean, whatever you needed, they had it there. And I was so thankful my college had that for free. I was like, I don't understand why more people don't come and see you, you guys. This is amazing. This is a free service. And so I was, I was so lucky and I saw someone off and on while I was in college because being an adult with a disability is really tough. And a lot of people give you a lot of crap and excuse me for saying that, but they do. They're like, well, oh, I don't see it. Fine. So what's wrong with you? They're like, seriously, what's wrong with you? I can't see that you have a disability. You're not, you know, and they will start listing visible disabilities and throw it in your face. And that was really hard. Um, I will never forget just walking out of work one day. I was working at a newspaper and I was in the marketing department and for my internship when I was in college. And my boss had referred to my dyslexia as my mental problem. And he waved his hands around my, his head. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And I looked at him and I said, that's discrimination, by the way. In case you don't know, that's very discriminatory and it's highly offensive. I went into HR and I complained. Of course, nothing happened. But I went to see my counselor the next morning on campus and cried. I mean, like cried hard. And I said, I don't understand this. Why, why this level of discrimination? I don't get this. I'm sitting there telling them, I have a verified learning disability. It's going to take me a few minutes to read this and to do, you know, and to, and to comprehend this document that you've given me and you're calling it my mental problem and you're mocking me. Okay. Wow. And that was really a very hard thing for me to, to get over. And I'm still not over some of those, those, those offenses in life. I'm not over them because what I do now is I use them to try to make change, but it is offensive and it does really do damage to you mentally when you're called names and when you are faced with that level of discrimination, because there is so much misperception that surrounds mental health, ADHD, disability, all of it, because I lump it all in. I say it's all part of the, the big, greater disability umbrella. Um, when we talk about treating children with behavioral health disorders in school, that they are put under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. Right there, second word, disabilities. So that means we consider it to be in at least the school setting and at, and at the federal law level, we consider it to be something that kids need modifications and accommodations in the classroom for, for not just pre-K through 12, but in college as well. 
and we treat people with mental health and we say to them, you, you deserve protections under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Well, then we need to start having more conversations like this one, like right now. Yeah. Because if we don't treat, if we treat it as something to be ashamed of, if we say um, depression is a bad thing, well, then those little kids, like the one who was bullied just, what was it, last week at eight years old, bullied to the point where he committed suicide, yeah. that's going to become a normal everyday conversation. And it shouldn't be normal to see that level of bullying and lack of help. It shouldn't be normal for an eight-year-old to contemplate and actually follow through with suicide. You know, those things are not normal. That means we're failing because we have to remove that stigma. Mm -hmm. And as you said, there is no shame in getting help and everyone needs a counselor, yeah. at least at one point in their lives. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. That's right. They go to college for a very long time, actually, and it costs them a lot of money to get these degrees. So put them to work, you know, they want to help. And I agree with you about there being a stigma attached. And I think that's why a lot of people don't come forward about yes. their mental health struggles is because there are so, so much stigmas attached to it. And people are like, just with depression, you know, people are like, oh, everybody deals with that. No, people do with sadness. They don't always deal with yes. depression. I tell people, I'm like, exactly. think of it as if a dark hole has just swallowed you up. That's how I feel when I get depressed. I know when I'm going down that road because I can feel it like pulling me like, come on, come, yep. come in this dark hole and let me swallow you up. And for you not to feel anything and feel numb and just like surrounded by darkness and people will tell me, oh, just shake it off. I'm like, I can't shake it off. Because a lot of times with these mental health, just like with ADHD, this is not something we choose to have. It's something we're born oh. with. Like, yes. this is something that we were born with. My my family struggles with depression. It's something I was clinically diagnosed with depression. I have a chemical imbalance in me. And that's what causes my depression. Fortunately, I'm able to combat it with natural remedies. And I know things I do because... Um, unfortunately I had a adverse, uh, side effect to, uh, depression medication it actually made me suicidal. Oh, yeah. So yes, 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 yes. So it, it, like you said, it's, it's that stigma and people don't want to, and they don't, they don't want to even understand because they don't know they don't even think about it. They just want to call you crazy and they just want to make it seem like you can control this when just like anything else, you can't control it. Like it's not something that you can just wake up and be like, I'm going to be happy today. You know, a lot yeah. of, a lot of times I, I wake up and I'm like, oh gosh, it's one of those days. Like I really need to take some real good self-care today so that I don't get depressed and stay there for weeks. Yes, exactly. And I think a lot of people don't understand depression and how it ebbs and flows. Like, so I have anxiety now and um, a lot of my anxiety is definitely related to my ADHD, mm -hmm. but I do just have anxiety. And so I can become, um, oh my gosh, I mean, incredibly anxious at the drop of a hat over certain things. And my husband is so good at calming those fears and, and letting me know, hey, I've got it. And he can tell when I'm having one of my more anxious moments. And I, and I look at him and I can even say it now, I'm starting to feel really anxious about this. You're going to have to work with me right now, or I'm getting ready to lose it. Mm -hmm. You're going to have like a whole anxious, crazy mess. This just ridiculous Susan d coming at you. So if you want that, 
let's continue on the path that we're on. But if we don't want that to happen, let's let's sit down and, and assuage my 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 anxiety for the moment and my fears. And he's always so good because there are times where he will say, even now, look, I can see you're starting to get a little worried and anxious. Let's sit down for a few minutes, okay? And I'm like, man, you are so good. You know me better than I know myself half the time. But people, they say, just suck it up. And, they, and they'll tell you, oh, you'll be fine. Just get over it. But depression is not something that you can just get over. You know, it's not, you know, you, you think about it. So uh, one of the big things that people talk about is, especially when with surgeries and things, that, or a chronic illness or an injury that has really taken you out. I saw this happen with my husband a couple of years ago. He is um, airborne, so that means he actually jumps out of airplanes, right? Oh. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. But okay, <laughs> whatever, honey, I'm glad you like it. But so that's what he does. He is He's a paratrooper here at Fort Bragg, and he was injured a couple of years ago. Um, they probably shouldn't have been jumping that day. They still had him jump. The winds are too bad. He landed funny on his right shoulder, oh. dislocated it actually at his clavicle, not actually in the ball and socket, but up at his clavicle, right? Ended up getting dragged about 100 yards because his chute picked up, got some wind to it, and got dragged 100 yards in the opposite direction and had to get himself out of the chute. And as he was doing that, he popped his shoulder back in. Oh, wow. Yeah. But the injury itself really got to him because all of a sudden he wasn't driving and he couldn't PT like he wanted to. And he was no longer on airborne status because he was in on an injured status, right? And 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 now his deployment could be put at risk, you know? And I mean, it was just in this and that and blah, blah, blah. I mean, and it was just in one thing after another. And now he's going into physical therapy and he might have to have surgery, but he doesn't know until he gets the MRI and you could see his mind just racing. And I could see the depression setting in on him. And I could, it was not just, he was sad. He was becoming depressed and very withdrawn. And I finally, I sat him down about six weeks after his injury. And I said, I think you need to go and see someone. You're a young man. This is the height of your life and your career. Here you are injured and you are feeling really helpless. And I'm thinking kind of worthless if I'm not mistaken and that you can't do anything right now. And he goes, yeah, you're right. I, that's exactly how I feel. And he goes, and I hate it. And I don't like this feeling. And he went in and got some help. And I'm so proud of him for doing that because one, I think he was actually having trouble sleeping because he fell so hard coming out of the mm -hmm. sky. I think it actually scared him a little. And I wouldn't say that he has PTSD, but I think it did rattle his cage a little bit. I think it kind of, um, I think it kind of uh, unnerved him a little where he was so, I wouldn't say he was steely, but he just thought, oh, this, I'm trained to know how to do what I'm doing here. I'm great, right? And an injury, that's not great, you know? Like that's a scary moment flying out of the airplane and all of a sudden you are plummeting to the earth. And um, that's scary. So uh, yeah, and that's more than scary. That would have, I would have probably gone to the bathroom on myself. I'll be really honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally but, me too yeah okay like I couldn't do it um and and not only that but a, a friend of his was also injured in that same jump so so he and another guy were pretty badly injured 
and um, and watching them both battle through it. And that guy didn't get help. I really wish he would have. His friend didn't get help. He suffered a severe traumatic brain injury because he hit his head on the ground and actually knocked himself unconscious. And I really wish his friend would have gotten help too, because now he's no longer on jump status. And that, and you can see he's a completely different person. And you can see that he's just there's a sadness that's washed over his friend now. That that I really think that if he went and talked to somebody, he wouldn't feel so bad about it. But trying to explain to people that it's okay to get some help, you know, it there's me, just some people who really won't. It took me over 20 some years. I mean, so it was about four years ago, 26 years. Like I struggled to depression since I was a little kid. Like I don't remember a time that I did not feel like depressed at some point in time. Like I would want to like, st- like stay to myself and just read my books like I was very much a book reader and I'd stay because that would be my way of dealing with what I was feeling inside was like I didn't want to talk to people and I didn't want them to know and and it wasn't in my family now recently we've all been like seen in counselors and stuff but when I was a little kid nobody talked about mental health nobody went and saw a counselor and even when I was a teenager my parents divorced like they were never like you should go see a counselor if I I mean, my husband can't get rid of me ever, but if he tried to, <laughs> if he did perhaps get rid of me, I would encourage my children to go talk to a counselor because yes. of, you know, all of that. And I started seeing my counselor because I was going to kill myself. I was, I had a beautiful family. I had all my kids, you know, all four of my children were born. I was married to my wonderful husband, who is like the sweetest person in the entire world. I had a roof over my head. I had everything going for me. But I just felt empty and I felt so depressed all the time and I just couldn't handle it. And in order to handle it, I would drink profusely. Like, so we went to a friend's house instead of like just having a drink, I drank a whole uh, thing of vodka on my own, blacked out, threw up all over myself. And the next morning I woke up and I said, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep dealing with these feelings. And I think that my family would be much better off without me. That was the whole thing. It wasn't so much ending my pain, but I thought my husband would be much better off without me. I wouldn't embarrass the shit out of him when we were at friend's house. You know, my kids would be much better off without me because they wouldn't have a mom who's struggling with all this and getting drunk all the time and being a hot mess. You know, the world would be better off without me because they wouldn't have to deal with me. So maybe I should just end all of this. And I had full plans and I was in the shower and I was sobbing and my husband comes in and he like opens the shower door and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be here. I don't think you guys would be much better off without me. And he just sat on our toilet and his face was just broken. It was like the saddest face I've ever seen in my entire life. And he's like, I need you to get help. Like, I need you to get help because we need you here. And he's like, can you just, just do, do a deal with me? And I said, yeah, sure. And he said, go and see a counselor. And if in like a year from now, you still want to kill yourself, I won't stand in your way. Because he had faith that seeing a counselor would make sure that I wouldn't kill myself a year from then. And it yep. did. It changed my entire life. I mean, I, I I cultivated a belief in myself. I got more confident. I felt better about my life. I have now, like, the tools and, and the ways to be able to deal with that. And the great thing is, is now, I mean, as a kid, you said the military didn't have a lot for mental health. But now they do. They're like. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing so what they much. have now. Like I went yeah. and saw a woman at Fle- or a counselor at Fleet and Family Service. So if you're anybody's listening in their military, like that's a great resource. It's free, and my kids, yes. my older kids, have both gone and seen somebody there. Um, and we've, I mean, the only ones that haven't pretty much are my twins. My husband saw somebody through the Navy because 
We uh, we found out his dad was inappropriate with our oldest daughter, which, like, was a big blow to our family. And my husband went and he went and saw somebody and talked to somebody for a while. And it was, like, it has significantly helped all of us be able to overcome adversity in our lives to be able to for me my depression like I'm not saying it's gone I mean uh like four or five days ago I made a Facebook live about depression because it was bothering me so much because I'm if it's dark outside and gloomy it just makes me worse so I'm just like oh my gosh so so the seasons get to you too yes so winter time awful um, unless it's sunshiny winter out, I don't mind the cold. It's not the cold. It's the lack of sunlight. So like, yeah, if, it's, yeah, yeah. if it's a rainy day, if it's rainy and it's still like, you can still see the sun through the clouds. We're good. But if it's rainy and it's dark and it's gloomy. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I have a yeah. really hard time. Really hard yeah. time. No, I, yeah. Yeah. That would be Germany weather, rainy and gloomy frequently. <laughs> it's the most beautiful country. And in the summer, oh my gosh, the summers were gorgeous, but man, those winters were tough tough cold very cold and then sometimes it would just get rainy and gloomy it really would and that was hard i don't think that you know it's they call it seasonal affect depression for a reason because some people it really really it really plagues you know it really plays a role in their lives and uh you know you said something about your kids and everything and so um i think i sent you one of my old articles about when when my husband was deployed a few years ago and i saw in my three-year-old a night and day different difference from the moment daddy got on that plane that day. And I mean, boom, it was like over, it was, it just happened. You could flip a coin. That's how fast it happened. And that night after my husband deployed, my son Ian started having his first night terrors at three years old. And I thought, okay, I'm in for this. This is the long haul here. You know, let me strap myself in. Cause we're getting ready to, this is going to be more than a bumpy ride here. This is going to be tough. And he must have gone through, he had night terrors probably the first two months. And so I'm sleep deprived. Uh, my son is is just really just very anxious, very sad, very quick to cry. Um, he's eating and going to the bathroom, which everyone says are the big physical signs that kids have when their parent is deployed, right? So he's fine there. But his were all the emotional side. You know, it was he was very clingy with me, a lot of uh, separation anxiety, things like that, right? And finally, it just kind of came to a head where there was just one day where he was just crying and I couldn't figure out why he was crying. And he just says, you know, I want daddy, want daddy. And I said, oh, baby, I want daddy, too. You know, mommy is sad that he's gone. And I will never forget at three. He goes, no, mommy, you more mad. That's how he said it. You more mad. Oh, you mad daddy gone. And I was like, yes, actually, I am mad that he is gone. You are right about that one, too. And so I called up to the military family life consultant over on Fort Bragg. And I said, my family needs help. I don't know what to do. I'm at my wits end. And before we become a family in some serious crisis, right now we're just at moderate crisis, but we're getting ready to hit it. We're getting ready to hit critical mass here. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get some help for us soon, I'm not sure what my husband's going to come home to. You know, we're going to not be the same family ever again. I mean, and then we won't even be like the shell of the same family. We're going to really be that different because this is becoming so, so traumatizing on us at this moment. And he is so lonely for his daddy. And he is so sad that his daddy is gone. And um, and right about that time, his, his first very best friend 
uh, his dad was also deployed and they went home for a little while. And so, you know, you don't, you don't have little, you have little ones, you know, they have Mm -hmm. absolutely no concept of time. Okay. Like just like one minute, that's for like the next 80,000 years. Yes. When my husband was deployed, it was awful. It was, I mean, It was awful oh, yeah. because, like, even at five years old, because his deployment just ended this past December, uh, even at five years old, like, trying to tell them, like, you know, the time of, like, when he'd be home or what was going to happen, it was like talking to a wall. Oh, I know. I I think I got more out of my cat than I did my kid. Okay? And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> thanks for understanding me and meowing back. And, uh, but I, I'm glad I found someone and, and she picked up very quickly with Ian that there was some anxiety going on with him. And at first we were thinking it was more separation anxiety until this last deployment. Mm. And then that's when it really hit. Kiddo actually has a full on anxiety disorder. He was diagnosed at five wow. and that's tough as a parent. Yeah. Okay. That's a tough one because that one put me back into me saying, okay, I'm going to need to talk to my counselor about this one too. Cause I feel all sorts of crappy here. I feel, I feel terrible. Like, did I do this? Like, is this one my fault? And then you go into that shame cycle that we all do with as parents or in general, like, did I make this happen? You know? And so I just, you know, I thought, I can't believe that my poor kid has this hasn't and but he does he really really does and so we do something called wraparound care where we we have the whole family going we all go uh my husband not as much because he's not home as often yeah um unfortunately or you know fortunately in some cases it's fortunate i guess but in our case it's an unfortunate but uh, but he comes twice a month to his appointments and I, I'm thankful that he's there twice a month, you yeah. know, like, I think that's great because I think it shows a lot about how he cares about his kid and he's there and he's very engaged and Ian is an only child. So he is, I think he gets lonely at times, mm-hmm. but so that means we're all in there talking about Ian, all of our feelings as parents, as adults, dealing with his anxiety. How do we help him in school? How do we help him at home? You know, what kind of structures do we need in place to make sure we have some smooth transitions going? Everything, you know, and it's amazing how it's helped. But it is a full family. Like the whole family's got to be in there getting help because I'm his caregiver. He's only six now. That he's It's not like he's driving himself to school every day. And, you know, he's six years old. I'm the one, lead, you know, you know, his dad and I are the ones we're the ones steering the ship, so to speak, you know, we're the ones establishing that structure and, and providing his safety and well-being. That means I have to be in there helping him out too and letting him know that I am somebody who is safe to come to, even though what he might be telling me makes me sad, mm-hmm. you know? And so that is one of those things that I, I, it's really like, I've had to talk a lot with my counselor about it because I want to make sure that, you know, I'm saying the right things too, that, you know, not only are we saying the right things with, you know, not only is Ian hearing the right things from his own counselor, but we're doing it for us too, that I am learning on how to be a better parent and how to manage my own anxiety coupled with my son's anxiety. And that's not easy. Um, And that keeps me up some nights and, 
just makes me feel withdrawn some days because I'll get so lost in my head. And, um, and I have to really stop and make sure I re-engage because if I don't, I'm going to get lost in this cycle of what, what could I have done differently? And that doesn't help anything. I mean, the what if, who cares? It's, it, it didn't happen. Here's the reality that's facing me. I can't deal in what ifs. I have to deal in reality. And that's why I think and, seeing somebody yeah. is super important because, oh God, so important. you know, you get that diagnosis. Like my oldest daughter was yeah. just diagnosed with um, clinical depression as well. And we had noticed since she became a teenager, which the counselor said, sometimes those hormonal shifts can trigger something that you didn't see before. Yeah. Um, I, yes. I know it just made mine worse. But uh, so we saw that for her and it was the same thing is going to take your kids or you going to see a counselor does not mean you're crazy. It means you care and you want to find out so you can work through and find the tools that will help you thrive. Yes. In your life. Yes. And the military is doing, okay. So my dad's a Vietnam vet, right? Mm -hmm. And he did two tours in Vietnam. He got home from Vietnam and it was drink it off soldier. You'll be fine. Drink it off. You are just, just don't even talk about what you saw and did over there. You're going to be just fine. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not that military anymore. No. We're a whole new, bright, shiny, sometimes touchy feely, you know, scary at times. Cause that's what we're supposed to be. You know, we're the military, <laughs> uh, but you know, but we are a whole new military and I see, and I've been around it all my life. I've seen so many positive changes. I hear people say, well, gosh, I really wish they would pay more attention to our families. And I'm like, let me tell you how it used to be. I, mm -hmm. I can be that person. Like I, and I hate to be that spouse every now and then, because I don't like that. You know, like, oh, well, it used to be this way. Sometimes you need to hear about the history though. Mm -hmm. You need to know the history to know that where we have come from to where we are now is significantly better. We have something called the defense. They call themselves DISPO, the defense suicide prevention office in the Pentagon. Yeah. Okay. Their whole job is to keep America's defenders and their, and their families and our veterans, keeping them mentally well, yeah. making sure that they are preventing suicide, letting people know that there are safe places to go to ask for help. And, we are really tackling, if anyone is tackling the crisis of mental health and suicide that is starting to plague our schools and our children and our, even our older adults, you know, um, I hear that suicide numbers are very high in older white men, believe it or not. Um, and I think a lot of it is, is that they, they're getting older and their bodies are not as young as they, as they used to be. They're physically older, but mentally they still feel like they're in their twenties and thirties. And guess what? Your body's in its eighties. It's not, you're not, you don't have as much pep to your stuff. And, and, and so they're, they apparently have very high suicide numbers and, and a lot of depression. But of course you're talking about an 80 year old person who may not go and get help, mm -hmm. but we are really in DOD. We are really tackling all of that, all of it. And I mean like head on tackling it much better than I think we are in the civilian sector. Um, and I just, I, I'm proud of us, actually. I'm proud of the military for really addressing the elephant in the room yeah. and saying there is no shame in getting help. Um, we talk about it all the time in, in our household. My husband has talked about uh, at work, 
we lost, when we first moved to Fayetteville a few years ago, our house was hit by a tornado and my husband deployed after that. And I mean, seriously, two weeks later, we were living, Ian and I were living in a hotel. So we were technically homeless, um, living in a hotel. And my husband was on his way to Afghanistan. And um, <clears throat> my son needed one of those cranial reshaping helmets and I was having to fight TRICARE for it. Of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. And oh, wait, I was diagnosed with my very first hernia that I couldn't get surgery to fix because my husband was gone and I needed someone to help me lift my baby that I couldn't lift for six to eight weeks post post surgery. And finally, I was able to move in with my mom, but they had only just retired from being in Germany. So they weren't prepared for my son and I to move in right away. They still had boxes all around their house. Right. I mean, they were like, what? We weren't your house was hit by a tornado. Wow. Yeah. We needed help. And he even admits that when he was in his deployed location in Afghanistan, that he went and saw an MFLAC there, that he got help mm -hmm. because he said, I had to leave my family when they needed me most. Mm -hmm. And that guilt that he carried with him, um, he finally learned to let that go. But it was really hard for him. You know, he he really had to get a lot of help talking about that because he felt so powerless and he knew that we were stressed and he knew that that I had we had been a, that we were displaced and that there was nothing he could do because he was in Afghanistan. Yeah. And, um, you know, he comes home and I was like, hey, I bought us a house. Thanks for the power of attorney. And uh, I hope you like it from the pictures that I showed you. And here's our home. Welcome home, honey. <laughs> Well, we're running out of yeah. time, Susan. This has been yes. amazing. And I think we've covered such a vast array of topics and I hope people will take away a lot. But I want you to think about what is one thing that you really want to let people know about mental health? Like what is one thing, like if, if there's only one thing you could tell them, what would that one thing be? There is no shame. Do not, uh, do not accept shame. There is no shame in mental health. If you had diabetes, you would take insulin. If you had high blood pressure, you would take medicine for it. If you had cancer, you would seek treatment. There is no shame in getting treatment for an illness because we would get, if this was a physical illness, we would get help. So don't have the shame. Don't allow that stigma to, to get the best of you. Go out and get some help. You'll probably be so much happier once you do. I love that. Yes, I couldn't have said it better. And for me, I want people to take away is just like everything else in life. It's not one size fits all. It's going to look different. Yeah. My depression will look different than Susan's depression or somebody else's depression. And depression's not the same anxiety. Anxiety is not the same as bipolar. And it, it's all different. So go and get that help because we can't stress this enough. And, and, and I also want to leave people with is I know people say this all the time that suicide is a selfish thing. And I understand it. I understand where they're coming from with that. But as somebody who tried, tried, like had it planned and everything, it wasn't that the fact that I wanted to do it to end my suffering, but I thought that I was going to do it to end everybody else's suffering. So yep. I just want people. We to should talk about this again. Yeah, we should definitely talk about we this again. I think I like I've enjoyed this talking with you about I actually feel I hope you I hope you don't mind me interrupting you but oh, I feel good. great having had this conversation yeah. because we really need to have more of these conversations I think you should I think you've delved into something wonderful here Megan thank you yeah so definitely you're welcome I promise to our audience we won't do like every podcast but definitely in the yeah. you know in a couple months I would definitely like to revisit this and I know we had some other community members who want to be on but weren't able to 
Um, so I did. I enjoyed this. Thank you, Susan, for coming on the podcast and talking about this with me. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning into the Inspired Women podcast. If you're a woman in search of a positive, supportive community, we'd love to have you join us. Just search the Inspired Women community on Facebook and click the join button. Don't forget to leave us a review, subscribe, and share this out with your friends. We'll see you next week.